Ciao amici. Welcome to Cinema Italiano, the podcast dedicated to the Italian experience as told by film. Today, to celebrate the month of Valentine's Day, we'll be talking about two love stories of sorts, both directed by Pietro Germi. His 1961 Divorzio all'Italiano, Divorce Italian Style, and his subsequent 1964 film, Sedotta e Robaronata, or Seduced and Abandoned. But before we jump into today's movies, a couple of news updates. First, we recently saw the passing of actress Monica Vitti. She's best known for her collaborations with Michelangelo Antonioni, including the groundbreaking La Ventura, plus other monumental films like La Notte, L'Eclise, and Red Desert. Her career lasted over 30 years, earning her numerous awards for her acting performances, and she even stepped behind the camera to direct a feature film. Her unforgettable screen presence and performances leave behind a legacy as a true icon of world cinema. Just recently, the Berlinale Film Festival wrapped up. Some of the Italian films selected include Calcin Culo, Swing Ride, directed by Chiara Bellosi, Una Femina, directed by Francesco Costavile, Leonora Ario, directed by Paolo Taviani, which actually won the Critics' Prize, Nel Mio Nome, a documentary by Niccolo Bassetti, which won second place for the Panorama Audience Award for Documentaries, Occhiali Neri by Dario Argento, as well as the debut of a new restoration of Mama Roma, Pier Paolo Pasolini's 1962 film. In home video news, it was announced that Vittorio De Sica's Miracle in Milan will be coming to Blu-ray and DVD this April from the Criterion Collection. It won the grand prize at Cannes in 1951, as well as several Best Foreign Film Awards that year. I haven't gone to watch it yet, knowing that this release was probably coming soon, so I've sort of been saving it so I can watch the Blu-ray. But the fact that it won so many awards back in the day, this must be a pretty good one. For today's discussion, we'll be going in chronological order, starting first with Divorce Italian Style, then with Seduced and Abandoned, followed by looking at the commonalities and differences between each film. As a little bit of context, director Pietro Germi himself is from Genoa in the north of Italy. He started his career working in dramas, but he really grew to acclaim and recognition through his comedies, even winning an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for Divorce Italian Style. These deranged love stories are both excellent, dark satirical comedies set in Sicily. While Pietro Germi himself was from the north, he found the culture, laws, and societal norms of this southern island just fascinating. And as a brief history to contextualize Sicily, throughout history, it has been a part of the great western civilizations. Ancient Greece, ancient Rome, followed by the Muslims, the Normans, the Spanish, just to name a few. With so many fits and starts of power and colonization, not only did Sicily grow in its diversity, both ethnic and linguistic, but the gap between the ruling and the ruled only grew over time, particularly during the Spanish and Bourbon eras, 
where the royalty didn't even live on the island with a real presence. When Italy, as a modern nation, was unified in the 1860s, it marked the beginning of the end for Sicilian nobility. As represented in Il Gatto Pardo, the leopard, the way of life for the upper class would fade away as a modern economic and political system brushed aside the elite who had enjoyed such comfort throughout the years. At that same moment, the unification of Italy meant, just like in pre-unification times, there was no powerful authority ruling Sicily that was based in Sicily. This created an almost vacuum where anyone could swoop in and insert themselves into a power structure, which is exactly how the mafia, Cosa Nostra, came to become a mainstay of Sicilian society. These two cultural shifts, the fall of the aristocracy and the rise of the mafia, a power structure subverting the state, are both currents running through the two films that we're discussing today. Let's take a look first at Divorce Italian Style. This film is actually legendary for my family. One of the characters, Carmelo Patane, shares his name with my ancestor who emigrated from Sicily. Long before I knew who Pietro Germi or Marcello Mastroianni were, or really anything about Italian films, I knew there was out there a movie that shared my ancestor's name. My first impression when I got to first see this a few years back was how striking it was to see Marcello Mastroianni not as a suave, charming leading man like we see in Eight and a Half in La Dolce Vita, but here he's a decaying loser and a bit of a scoundrel. The people that this film focuses on is very much that of the declining aristocracy. Nearly a hundred years after the unification of Italy, these once wealthy families are having to make do and scrape on to what little they have. Our hero of sorts is Fefe Cefalu, the adult son of a baron who is married to Rosalia, whom he no longer loves. Instead, he's grown an attraction to his teenage cousin, Angela, and he conspires for how to get rid of his wife so he can go after his cousin. First, he imagines all the ways his wife can die, and then realizes that murder committed in a rage of jealousy by a scorned lover or by a family member through an act of dishonor can receive a lighter prison sentence since they're considered honor killings. He then works to bring that scenario to light by finding a suitable match for Rosalia to have an affair with so she can then be killed, he serves a lighter sentence, and then he can go after Angela. The plan is anything but foolproof, and it's a comic, dark, and fiercely intelligent journey exposing the ridiculous standards of justice as well as Fefe's own fragile masculinity. This film is set in the southeast of Sicily, in Agramonte, a fictional village of Ispica, just south of Catania. The divide between the more rural Ispica versus the metropolitan city of Catania reflect that gap of modernity and justice between these two types of places. The scenes in Catania are really our only clues into the contemporary setting of the 1960s. It's where Fefe goes to buy a tape recorder so he can spy on his wife with the lover he's trying to set her up with, but otherwise, the action could really take place during any time. And then Catania, as the larger city, has a clear sense of law and order with its courthouse, as well as being the beacon of inspiration for Fefe, and has the ultimate say in justice. It's at a trial there in Catania, 
that Fefe is inspired to pursue and honor killing in the first place. And it's also there that he will ultimately face his own judgment once the murder is committed. A foil from the mixed messages, mafia entanglements, and religious interference in their small town in Ispica, the bigger town of Catania is where fate is sealed and a firm answer on justice is issued. Next, to speak briefly on Seduced and Abandoned from 1964. I loved this movie from the first viewing. I saw it as I worked my way through the Italian movies of the Criterion Collection, and I was so surprised to see Stefania Sandrelli, who I loved in I Knew Her Well, here in an earlier leading role. In this film, a young woman named Agnese is seduced by Peppino, the fiancé of her sister, and as a result she becomes pregnant. Her father, Don Vincenzo, makes his daughter's plight all about him and his honor. He's infuriated by the dishonor committed, quote-unquote, against him, and he forces her and Peppino to marry, despite Peppino's hypocritical desire to marry a virgin, and Agnese's growing annoyance with Peppino. The story grows more and more wild, putting both families, the police, and the church to stage and maintain that this marriage between Agnese and Peppino is indeed a union of honor and not a shotgun wedding. Seduced and Abandoned is set in Chaka, on the southwestern side of Sicily. A couple other towns that are mentioned include Regalbuto, where Peppino is hiding out, and the convent of San Giuliano, as well as Ragusa and Agrigento, which is where the family's cousins are from, from the south and southwest, respectively, of Sicily. One cultural event that comes up is St. Laborio's Day, when Agnese and her mother go to Mass, the same day that a fake kidnapping is staged for everyone to see. St. Laborius of Le Mans, in real life, is considered to have had the power of bringing unity. His tomb was transported from one cathedral to a diocese that had no saint of its own, from which arose what's considered a love bond of lasting brotherhood, surviving the conflict of the previous eras in something that's still in force today. The power of unity and bringing people together as the backdrop to a critical event in this story is a tongue-in-cheek connection to the action we're seeing on screen. The joining together of two families forcibly through staged kidnapping and a reparatory marriage, this unity is anything but one of genuine love. Next, wanted to speak to the many themes and topics that these two films, Divorced Italian Style and Seduced and Abandoned, have in common. The core element these films share is their critique of Italian law, particularly when it comes to marriage and family. The legal and societal norms dictating the characters' lives drive outrageous actions to toe the line within the eye of the law. The intricacies of what make murder more acceptable and subject to a lighter sentence, as well as how to stage a reparatory marriage, illustrate an awareness of the law and how to calculate risk accordingly. In Divorce Italian style, like I sort of mentioned earlier, we see the legal technicalities laid out during this mini courtroom drama. Fefe goes to Catania, where he views a high-profile case play out. A woman has shot her husband in a crime of honor, in which the gun was actually given to her by her husband to shoot him if he ever cheated on her. The gist of this trial is that murder is justified if it's an act of honor committed by a lover who has been dishonored. 
A specific piece of legislation is also mentioned, Article 587, in which anyone who is in the heat of passion that commits a crime only has to serve three to seven years. The way the trial plays out, the woman in question ends up getting eight years, which Fefe dismisses as her being a common, ugly woman, whereas he's a gentleman and an aristocrat. So if he commits the same crime, he should get a lesser sentence. In Seduced and Abandoned, the legalities binding the action are also laid out within a setting of law and order, specifically at a police station. When discussing the affair between Peppino and Agnese, a more seasoned police officer explains to his younger partner that, quote, marriage nullifies it all in the sense that a reparatory marriage would exonerate the perpetrator of assault, Peppino, for his crime he committed against Agnese. Later on, Don Vincenzo goes to see his cousin, who's an attorney. Don Vincenzo initially looks to press charges for corruption of a minor if Peppino doesn't marry Agnese. The attorney cousin advises that if Don Vincenzo had murdered Peppino in the moment, it would have only been a few years sentence. Whereas if it's thought out and premeditated, it's more like 20 years. One possibility that's thrown out is why don't they tell Agnese's brother, Antonio, who could more realistically kill Peppino and be able to serve that lighter sentence. While the potential prison sentence is the sort of bottom-lined endgame, both films toy with the involvement of organized crime and forces outside the law. In Divorce Italian style, on their way to Mass one day, the family runs into some gangsters. Fefe recalls an earlier incident in which a woman was shot on her way to church with allegedly no witnesses something that was tied back to mafia involvement. In a later scene, when Don Fefe is in a barber shop, he's seated next to Don Chicho Matara, the local mob boss. Fefe is a little scared of him. He doesn't want to be beholden to him down the line. But at a funeral procession, Don Chicho assures Fefe that his guys will find out where Fefe's wife, Rosalia, and Carmelo, her lover, are. In Seduced and Abandoned, at a hearing with the judge, Peppino and Agnese's brother Antonio put on a face that they would have no reason to fight and that they're not looking to do things through the legal system. It's something they're able to handle on their own, and Don Vincenzo even admits that his family has had their share of violent deaths. In a later scene, as the families parade through town, supposedly with a resolution, Don Vincenzo's grinning and waving at everyone, and his attorney says, wouldn't it be nice if all legal affairs could be settled so amicably? He's putting on a show, of course, but it also calls attention to the fact that this phony, happy ending through forcing his wife into an unhappy marriage, threats of violence, and a staged kidnapping, all these behind-the-scenes machinations somehow add up to a resolution. Balancing both sides, the law and forces outside the law, reflects a hypocrisy to put on a face of a law-abiding citizen while plotting underneath the surface as well as reflecting that real lack of faith in institutions that Sicilians understandably have. Like I mentioned earlier, after centuries of being treated like a colony whose head of state lived elsewhere, authority had little tangible meaning to a people who were largely abandoned by their rulers. Doing things their own way, regardless of the letter of the law, became a very common and often rational approach to get things done. The pretense of putting on a show, of following the law, 
is one way that the films reflect the importance of public life and perception, again, regardless of what's happening beneath the surface. Having the backing, or at least the understanding, by their community is essential in both scenarios to affect the legal outcome that both male protagonists want. In Divorce Italian style, when his wife Rosalia leaves him, Fefe feigns illness and makes a whole show of how torn up he is inside by her loss to show that he's physically suffering by her abandoning him. The whole community gets wrapped up in the drama, pressuring Fefe, waiting to see what he's going to do next and how he's going to reclaim justice after the wrong that's been done to him. We get a similar turn of events in Seduced and Abandoned through the performances put on by Don Vincenzo. He makes sure that he's laughing loudly in the piazza, showing how happy he is. When Peppino's parents come to talk to him, he asks that they beg loudly to show everyone that he's in the power position and Peppino's family is who's in the wrong. Later on, when Peppino's trying to save face himself, he's trying to show his contrition and feign a genuine love for Agnese, coming to sing and serenade Agnese outside her window. At that same time, Don Vincenzo's watching, armed with a gun, keeping an eye on Peppino, but he wants to wait for Peppino's song to finish before he actually fires the gun, both letting Peppino show his love for Agnese, getting everybody's attention, so that Don Vincenzo has an audience when he takes his action against Peppino. And then, of course, there's possibly the greatest performance throughout the film, this final almost action sequence with the staged kidnapping of Agnese outside the church. Agnese and her mother are supposedly just going to a normal mass, while in front of everyone, Peppino and his guys are coming to kidnap Agnese to fast-track this marriage. Of course, with the audience of this taking place in front of the whole town. By involving the communities, the family's actions in both films feel almost driven by what society demands. To defend the honor of Fefe, or to force the marriage of Agnese and Peppino. The domestic drama is bigger than what's inside the family home. The whole town is involved, and it becomes an essential factor to achieve the ends that each family desires. These critiques of Sicilian society extend further beyond matters of law and order, but the power structures within the home. The poor treatment of women by men is in the sheer lifeblood of these films. Even at their core, the basic plots are about men doing women wrong, and this theme also surfaces through micro, everyday interactions. In Divorce Italian style, throughout the film, their housekeeper is constantly being harassed by the Baron, the patriarch of the family, but he defends himself by accusing her of being a tease, almost like she's asking for it. Then, of course, there's the earlier example of the woman who committed murder as an act of honor, who has to serve eight years even though that's longer than the maximum for a man. In Seduced and Abandoned, there's a pretty tongue-in-cheek scene where Peppino's talking to his parents about why he doesn't want to marry Agnese, given that she's not a virgin anymore. Even Peppino's father, recognizing that Peppino's who screwed up here, believes that it's a man's right to ask and a woman's duty to refuse. Throughout everything Peppino's done, Agnese is still somehow in the wrong here. This also reflects a vision of two types of women, the virgin and the whore, which is a dichotomy prominent throughout many Italian films, including Eight and a Half. 
particularly in movies viewing women from the male's perspective, the ideal woman that the man wants to marry versus the woman that he also wants to have on the side. In Divorce Italian Style, where Angela, Fefe's cousin, really makes an impression on him, is at a scene when the family goes to the beach, we see her dressed in white, almost angelic, as she's picking flowers in honor of the Immaculate Conception. She's presented as the ultimate vision of purity. This contrasts with Seduced and Abandoned in an early scene where Don Vincenzo and some of the guys are hanging out at a hotel and a group of prostitutes come in. These definitely aren't the kind of women that Don Vincenzo would want Agnese and his daughters to be like, but he still wants their attention and enjoys flirting with them, however harmlessly. While not as much a driving force in their plots, both films also show a dying nobility, as almost pathetic last breaths of a way of life whose days are numbered. In Divorce Italian Style, the main family we're focused on is the Cefalu family, who are barons and aristocrats. From Fefe's narration, we can tell they just aren't what they used to be. The palazzo that they live in used to be just for that immediate family, and now it's being rented out. Even the interiors themselves are decaying. The toilet is rusty, doors are banged up, the house is just slowly falling apart. In Seduced and Abandoned, we see nobility a couple steps removed from the main family. It comes into play through another barren figure who the dad tries to set up with his daughter Matilde, who was initially Peppino's fiance before he cheated on her with Agnese. So Don Vincenzo is trying to set up Matilde with this baron who, when he finds him, the baron is about to hang himself. Like Fefe from Divorce Italian Style, we can tell that the baron is impoverished. He's missing teeth. Don Vincenzo kind of bribes him by offering to take him to a dentist and invites the baron over for dinner, where the baron is excited just to have a big meal. At the very end of the film, when the baron has given up on Matilde and Don Vincenzo's whole family, he looks as though he's finally about to commit suicide, putting a noose around his neck. When he does so, the ceiling caves in, he falls to the floor. He can't even do this right. Both films also feature very humorous and fantastical dream sequences, reflecting the fantasies and nightmares of their respective lead male protagonists. Something that's noteworthy is that in Divorce Italian style, the dreams are all positive, they're fantasies for the protagonist. Albeit, they're fantasies in which the outcome is the death of Rosalia, Fefe's wife. We see several different imagined deaths for Rosalia, such as her falling into a steaming pot of soap, being buried alive within quicksand, and being shot off into space in a rocket ship. In Seduced and Abandoned, the fantasy sequences are nightmares experienced by Don Vincenzo, all things related to Agnese and his family's honor, such as imagining the scenario of how Agnese could have been seduced in the first place, the prospective trial in which Agnese dresses scandally, almost like the prostitutes that he so enjoyed the company of earlier when he met them in the hotel, but seeing his daughter dressed this way is his, truly his worst nightmare. Don Vincenzo practically has night terrors, imagining what his daughter Agnese could have done or how she may behave. The fear is what could have happened or what could be, while Fefe's dreams are more what-ifs, 
to surface his dream of having his wife die quietly. And perhaps the greatest impact that both films have in common is in their endings. In classic Commedia Italiana style, while these films are comedic, they have what are by no means just happy endings. In Divorce Italian style, we see Fefe's dream finally coming true. He's married Angela, and they're starting their new life together as newlyweds. They enjoy a boat cruise together. In the final shot, as Fefe and Angela embrace, the camera pans down to show Angela playing footsies with the captain. Seduced and Abandoned ends on a similarly bleak, albeit funny, note, with Agnese and Peppino finally wed, supposedly resolving the central conflict of the film. And the final image we see is that of Don Vincenzo's grave, inscribed with the words, Honore e Familia, Honor and Family. Getting them to marry was literally the death of him, and he ultimately got what he wanted by paying the greatest price. Taking these films as satires of Italian law and culture, the not-so-happy endings reflect that jumping through hoops to follow outdated laws and pivoting one's life to conform within societal norms don't result in happily ever after sustainable resolutions. Perhaps a broader takeaway is that happiness is not possible, or at least unconditional, uncompromised happiness, within the rigid cultural norms confining their lives. These two films are not only great comedies with outrageous storylines and memorable characters, but are also two excellent examples of Commedia all'Italiana. This film movement explores very real social and political issues through a comedic lens. The stories and tones of these movies are very funny, but also have a layer of sadness rooted in whatever real societal problem they're addressing, such as the honor laws practically justifying murder and reparatory marriage to clear the name of a rapist. These are very real issues that faced Italian people in the 1960s and still continue to this day in Italy and around the world. If you enjoyed Divorce Italian Style and Seduced and Abandoned, another film I would recommend is from a similar era, Ieri Oggi e Romani, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, directed by Vittorio De Sica. In particular, where I see these films tying together is through the first sequence of Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, specifically the Yesterday first act, following a working class woman who sells black market cigarettes. She keeps getting arrested, but she keeps herself out of prison Due to a legal technicality, women cannot be imprisoned while pregnant. As a result, she keeps having babies, subverting a ridiculous law while still following its letter. As always, thank you so much for listening. To keep in touch with new episodes, 
please be sure to subscribe to the show, rate and review. You can also follow Cina My Italiano podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, ciao amici.